Greetings, uh, Alpha Next fans. Um, we are uh, done for the day here, and uh, mixed markets. Um, NASDAQ was down a little bit, it looks like. Uh, oil was up. That's, I guess, good. The Dow was marginally up, very almost flat. Uh, S&P just basically unched. So, uh, up and down day, though, because basically Gilead, symbol G-A-L-D, which is not gold, gold is G-L-D, today the World Health Organization pulled what we used to call a boner and uh, inadvertently posted preliminary results from a trial in China on this remdesivir drug, and the market... You can tell the market is trading on COVID almost entirely on the virus because the first of all, Gilead took a real dive when this came out because basically it showed that the uh, that uh, remdesivir actually had a higher mortality rate than uh, patients that did not get it. Well, that's not good, <clears throat> but. As the day went on, it became apparent that, first of all, this had been posted on the WHO website by mistake. Been there, done that, you know. Uh, Secondly, it was a trial that was halted because they ran out of patience, which was actually a good thing. And uh, so the numbers of patients were not enough to draw any statistically significant conclusion, apparently. And third, uh, Gilead made the point that there are 135 sites that are doing these trials. And, of course, this one was in China, and people are very skeptical about any numbers that come out of China. So the good news is that that's not necessarily the end of Gilead or of remdesivir as an almost therapy of last resort. Uh, the bad news, though, and this has been this is no news at all. Remdesivir is not going to solve this thing. Um, the fear of getting the disease is not just fear of death. It's a terrible experience to get COVID if it's a very severe case. It's a very uh, debilitating and uh, long-lasting aftermath. Uh, you have cardiac damage, you have kidney damage, you have lung damage. It's not like you get get cured of this and then just go back to normal. Nobody wants to get this, regardless of whether they can give you, uh, you know, critical care uh, to bring you back to life. It's a horrible experience if you get it bad, and it'll leave you much worse for the wear. Um, you can you can have follow-on stroke based on the damage to the other organs in your body, uh, including the lungs. So if you're afraid of this, which you should be, just because you could get IV remdesivir in the, in the critical care unit or intensive care unit doesn't mean that you're going to hop right back on your, uh, your motorbike. So uh, remdesivir, even if it works really well, is not the panacea for this. The only panacea for this, it seems to me, is going to be a extremely almost 100% effective uh, 
vaccine, which is not anywhere near on the horizon. Every year I get the flu vaccine, and every year I get the flu. Well, I ain't going out if you give me a vaccine for this thing. Because if I get it, I'm pretty much toast. Um, The other thing is if there's a pill that you can take, like a penicillin for for polio or whatever. Well, actually, that was a vaccine, but uh, penicillin for syphilis or something like that. Okay. Hey, I think I got it. You know, but even then... This thing has very insidious effects that are not even apparent. You know, the your oxygen level can go down, and uh, you your lungs just keep working harder, so you don't even notice it. And then by the time you do notice it, it's kind of it may be too late for you. So uh, one of the things I pass along, I read yesterday, and I put out on social. There's something called an oximeter or something like that. There's a New York Times article about it. Uh, if you if you go out in the Times, a doc wrote it. He said, uh, you know, here's the hidden disease that's uh, taking a lot of people's lives. Uh, and basically it's oxygen uh, deficiency, hypooxygenation, I think, is the medical term. So, uh, you know, get one of those and check your oxygen level fairly frequently i've got an ordering for that that's the first thing i've seen that makes any sense because if you start to get an o2 issue off baseline then you may have the thing and you would never know it so uh so that's a tip that's a pro tip but that's just kind of to survive you don't want to get this thing in the first place so i think until you get to the point where you've really got herd immunity which means at least 60% of the folks have been exposed to it, survived it, have antibodies, and, and hopefully then uh, that immunity will last for at least a while, uh, maybe with booster vaccine shots. Uh, you know, people's fear of this is going to override anything else. And uh, it doesn't matter what the civil authorities say or the medical community says, it's what people's fear factor is, and that can be driven by all sorts of things, some of which are not particularly rational or particularly uh, factual. But and it also is a function of how young or old you are, how healthy or sick you are, uh, you know, how foolish and reckless you are, <laughs> you know, what's your motivation to live another day. So some people are just going to, take a YOLO attitude and say, hey, I'm young, I'm going out, you know, say la be, and uh, so it goes. Other older people are like me, and like, I don't have to go out, I'm not going to go out, unless there's a big buck in it for me, and even then. So I think that uh, we're not going to get back to normal until people's fear factor goes down, and that's going to be very jaded. It's not like everybody's going to be. Whew, that's over. Like a, like a meteor passed by the Earth. Uh, the fear factor is a function of a lot of variables: attitudinal, political, uh, chronological, demographic. You know, so that's going to break bad or or worse. I mean, in in particularly in urban areas, I think the fear factor is going to be a lot higher, and rightly so. If you're in Manhattan. Psh- you know, if you're in Wyoming, eh. so uh, we'll see a, a slow recovery. 
and particularly uh, it, the point was made today, the service industries are going to be much slower to recover. Some of these businesses are actually beating estimates uh, because, you know, it, it's all digital, it, it, it's all delivered, uh, it's all intellectual property, so, you know, services that you can perform without being physically present, restaurants, conventions, trade shows, uh, you know, pharmaceutical detailing, uh, a lot of medical services where you have to be face-to-face, those are going to be slow to recover, I think. Whereas if you've got an online publication or if you can do your psychology uh, sessions digitally, it's not going to hurt you. It might be easier. So uh, look for a lot of mixed results, a total mixed bag. But on the aggregate GDP, I think it's going to be a very slow normalization. Now, the market is already, you know, I think the market was 3300 at the top and it's already back to 28. So... You know, from 21, it's basically uh, back within, it's, I think it's a 60% retracement. And that may be about right, you know. Maybe 60%, maybe we'll get to be hitting on 60% cylinders here. You know, if it was a V8, now it's a V5. And maybe slowly it'll get back up to, to all cylinders hitting is the virus, I mean, you know, some at some point you're just going to have to say, hey, look, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a Tom, uh, Tom Cruise moment, you know. Uh, sometimes you just got to say WTF and get back to work. You know, they're opening gyms and fitness centers and everything else, it seems like in uh georgia so people are just gonna say hey you know what um the state of georgia is not going to say that you can't go there but the reality is people are going to vote with their feet and they're not going to go to i don't think they're going to go to the gyms and uh but they may go to the hairdressers i'm telling you that this uh thing with uh on the distaff side of the equation with the hairstylists that's really powerful <laughs> you know who knew but in any event uh look for slow recovery i was toying around with the notion today of uh trading options off of the ranges and i don't unfortunately know how to play that um, but something along the lines i think of you know letting the vix be your guide so if options get expensive, let's say the VIX goes to 50, 60. If it, it seems like 40 is pretty much where it's at now. So let's say it goes to 50. That's probably indicating that the S&P has gone down uh, closer to that uh, support level at 2,500. Then you might sell some puts. Uh, and you might sell the puts and be short the spider, you know, if you can do if you can do that, if you got that kind of trading account. Because essentially you'll be delta neutral, meaning that you don't care what the underlying does, and you're just gonna collect premium, and the premium will be more expensive. Then as the VIX falls, uh you could uh you could probably uh, 
you know, that's where it gets a little... You could buy calls, I suppose, uh, at the money calls, because as the VIX gets lower, uh, you can get bullish by buying the calls, and the calls are cheaper. And then that's the way you play it on the way up. And if you want, you can spread the calls. So if you think 3,000 is the limit, which is 300 on the spider, uh, let's say the... Uh, Let's say the underlines at 2600 and the S&P or 260. You could buy the uh, at the money call or you could buy a 270 call at 265, whatever it is, and then sell the 3000 to kind of pay for it. And you could even do what they call a one by two spread and buy one call and sell two and do 10 lots or five lots or whatever. And that way you get long, uh, but you have some leverage. So uh, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you lose whatever you paid for that position, which is a very limited loss. And, and then the other thing you can do is if it does start to go the wrong way on you, then you sell more puts. So, uh, so that, I think, is an interesting strategy if you're fluent and you know, proficient with options. If you want to play that, it's spider spread. And you could do the same thing on the NASDAQ and the Russell. Um, you know, you could do it on all the indexes, basically, if you know what the levels are. If we are truly range-bound, I think you could probably play that game over the summer. Um, in, the, in, th in the spring and through the summer, I think as you get, uh, as you get into September, October, um, yeah, you could probably play it too there. Because I think you might be in that trading range up until the election, depending on what the polls are looking like. If it's looking like the Senate is gone, I think that's real bearish. Uh, if the Democrats are going to get back in the Senate, then when Biden gets appointed or elected, and if they have the Senate, they can do a lot of stuff that the market isn't going to like. Uh, so you could have a real drop. But volatility should go up, which means you could... You could sell some puts and get out of the position before the election on the uncertainty. So, uh, and though, for those of you who obviously are not options mechanics, uh, the simple trade is just buy it when it's at 2500 sell it when it gets to 3000 and go from there. Uh, another trade that occurred to me, and you're talking about two exchange-traded notes here, and... These are kind of, you know, funny money because you don't go... When you buy USO, you don't get long actual oil, you know. What you do is buy a uh, ETF that's based on futures. And it tries to uh, move in tandem with the price of oil, but as we've seen lately, that doesn't happen. It, you know, oil's selling for 10, 15 bucks a barrel, and uh, that ETF or ETN is trading at $2. So that's not working. And that's often the case with these exchange-traded notes because they're, they're uh, ETFs based on futures, and that's tricky uh, for reasons that I won't go into because, I'm, frankly, I'm not really sure I understand it myself. I just know it by experience. But uh, GLD is the same way, right? And the thing about oil futures is nobody wants to uh, 
take delivery of oil. <laughs> but, you know, taking delivery of gold, you can do that. You just get a safety deposit box. That's why gold is such a good store of value versus a commodity like oil or grain or, you know, helium. So uh, with a gold bar, I mean, I don't know what a gold bar is worth today, but, you know, a lot. It's $1,700 an ounce. So if you get a pound of gold or whatever it weighs, it's a lot of money, you know. So uh, you could conceivably take your gold bar and put it in a safety deposit box if they'll let you in the bank or put it under your mattress or whatever. So so the pair trade, a pair trade is when you buy one stock and, and sell the other. You go long on one stock and short on the other, basically. And as the price of oil goes down, the price of gold may go up because if the price of oil is down, that means the economy still... Uh, basically uh, shut down. And if that's the case, the price of gold may go up because I was listening to Fast Money yesterday and Guy Adami is a gold guy to some extent. And he said, you know, when you're getting 0% on treasuries, then there's no yield on treasuries. Well, if there's no yield on gold versus treasuries and the supply of treasuries is infinite, theoretically, then you'd rather have something with a fixed supply, which is gold. So, you know, gold becomes an inflation hedge. We haven't seen any inflation. But if you think that uh, the China bashing may persist into the Biden administration, then you may uh, see inflation because we onshore so much. You know, that's the formula for inflation, to onshore it, because Americans make so much more than Chinese people do, or Vietnamese, or whatever. I don't know that the Fed and the Treasury can afford to let that happen, is the thing. But it doesn't matter what I think, it matters what the gold traders think. So, a lot of people have that sort of um, atavistic faith in gold. So you see it all the time on TV. They're trying to sell you all these gold sucker plays. So uh, the the pair trade is very simple, which is to short USO either through options or through uh, you know shorting the underline and uh, going long on GLD. So when oil goes down, GLD should go up, and when oil goes up, GLD should go down. So you're kind of hedged there, uh, and what you hope is that the upside is bigger than the downside. Uh, now, options are a good way to do it if you can do it. You'd be selling calls, or you'd be, uh, you, yeah, either way, I guess. If you sell, sell the calls or sell the puts, either way, you're, you're short. Um, and that's, you know, because if, if you do go short on a stock or an ETF, you've got to pay interest um, to borrow the shares to sell. Because when you go short, you're borrowing a share from somebody, paying them interest, and then selling it. So you're hoping you can buy it back cheaper when you have to give them the shares back. But the, the juice on that, the vigorous, the interest can be very high, and that can you know make your trade untenable. Whereas if you're able to sell a call above the strike, let's say you sell five dollar USO calls, you're betting that it isn't that that USO ETF ETN isn't going to go over five bucks. Um, 
you know, that way you don't you don't have to pay anybody to borrow shares to short. On the other hand, uh, if you're long the GLD calls, you know, or you could be long the underline, but you get more leverage. Uh, you know, it's going for like seventeen hundred bucks. So, if you take a seventeen hundred two thousand uh, spread on GLD, you know. If oil goes down, gold goes up, and as we know, oil can go below zero in the future, so um, that's a possibility. I mean, I don't have that position on. I don't have either of those positions on, but but that's just what I've been thinking about here. So you may want to consider that or not, or ask somebody who's smarter than I am. But those are two trade structures that might make sense if your thesis is that oil's going to stay low. Now, the other thing, there was a guy who's a real, his name is Mark, I forget his last name, but he is like the bull goose loon oil trader, you know, uh, legendary, they say. And he was saying that he thinks the range for oil is going to be 15 to 20 bucks in the near term. So, you know, buy at 15, sell at 20. Now, how that correlates to USO, I don't know. The other thing he also said is that uh, in addition to the fact that oil crude will probably be range-bound uh, for the foreseeable future in that range, um, the oil companies, the big ones, the majors like Exxon, ConocoPhillips, uh, I think you can buy Shell ADRs, uh, are, bull, are a buy long-term because when all these shale companies go bust, basically the big guys have the money to buy them and just hang on. And once oil comes back, assuming it does, then you will, uh, you know, they will make out, they'll make bank on that because they were able to buy them for nothing, basically. Buy them right out of bankruptcy. So uh, the other thing he said is that Nat Gas may well be a, a buy. And you can buy some kind of instrument on that gas. But there's also companies that, like Chesapeake, I think, maybe gas pipeline, I don't know. Because uh, there will be a shortage of gas because gas is a, Nat gas is a byproduct of oil. And if they stop, if they cap wells, there won't be as much Nat gas. Nat gas is also a very local market. You have to pipe it. Uh, you know, you can do this liquid LNG, liquid natural gas to export it, but you really can't, like, fill up a helium, you know, dirigible or whatever and, and, and float it over to someplace else. So that gas has to be piped. So the U.S. is basically a captive market uh, or a local market that's got a big moat unless you do LNG back and forth across the ocean. Uh, and I would not want to be a crewman on one of those babies because that sounds like a big bomb to me. But in any event, uh, that's what he said, and he knows much about this. So you might want to try to do an LNG or an, a natural gas play. Uh, you might want to try to find a way to play that range-bound oil play and consider the pairs trade. Um, GLD versus USO, and you might want to play that range on the S&P and the other indexes with options, or just with, uh, you know, buy low, sell high within the range. 
So those are my thoughts today. Um, if you have any, let me know. Uh, at some point, we're going to try to take guests on the program. So, um, yeah, one one of my uh, my uh, listeners actually made money yesterday on Halliburton. Remember, Halliburton was always the the, the liberal left wing uh, conspiracy with Dick Cheney. Halliburton, you know. Well, evidently the conspiracy didn't work out so well because Halliburton was trading down about six bucks as of the day before yesterday. So my intrepid punter uh, went long on it, and it went up to uh, what he made like thirty percent. So he says, "What should I do?" And I said, "Take the profit." You know. Well, sure enough, the thing went up again today, about seven percent. But you never know what's going to happen. You know. So. Um, at least it was up 7% like midday. I don't know if uh, it closed that high, you know, with all this uh, COVID trade. But, uh, you know, Halliburton's cheap. And the oil service companies are on the floor now. So that's what I understand Halliburton is. Uh, Rig is another one. R-I-G-G, I think, is the symbol. Uh, this deep water drilling, you know, I, I can't see that doing well. So uh, anything with high extraction costs, you know, forget about it, which leaves basically the Russians and the Saudis in the business. So, um, you know, that was a good trade. Could have been better if I would have kept my mouth shut, but you never know. I mean, I told them, you know, could go up, could go down, but nobody ever went broke taking profits. So I always like to take as many profits as possible and if i leave money on the table you know so be it the other way to avoid that is to you know replace do a stock replacement trade and sell the stock and play the options if you can do that or else just sell half of your position or 10 or 15 percent whatever lock in some profit so uh those are the thoughts for the day uh don't steal this stuff but Please share it with all your friends. We we had a good day yesterday. Uh, viewership was up by 800% or listenership, I guess. So that was good. Uh, you know, we don't want the virus to go viral, but I sure would love this to go viral. So, you know, share a link with your friends and you get a free subscription. Oh, wait, it's free anyway. But, you know, I mean, look at it this way. Uh if, if people don't listen to this, I'm going to stop doing it. So, yeah, you get it for free, but, you know, there's got to be some demand or else the supply will dry up, you know what I mean? So, brought to you by Alpha's Next. Uh, still working on that website, but any day, I am sure, it will be uh, up and running, and you guys and gals will be the first to know. So, uh, another reason to stay tuned, listen to every exciting episode, and stay safe, stay solvent, live long, and prosper. Bye-bye.